This is How on Earth, the show that makes you smarter. Today is Tuesday, April 30th, 2013. I'm your host, Jim Pullen. This is the second part of my conversation with Boulder's Dr. David Wineland, who shared the 2012 Nobel Prize in Physics with Frenchman Serge Aroche. Dave shares with us the human aspects of winning the Nobel Prize. I think that the city fathers have have named the twenty second Dave Wineland Day. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, anyway, it was very nice. Yeah, that was a really nice uh, ceremony they had had the other night on the on the twenty second. So uh, no, it was a very nice, very nice plaque, very attractive plaque. So I was flattered and very nice to get that. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a, a pretty reserved company. It's got some names that are household names, and that's a little bit rare in, in the sciences, Bohr and Heisenberg yeah, and, sure. and all the rest, uh, Schrodinger. Uh, and, uh, oh, God, who, who else is on there? I'm, I'm forgetting some of the uh, – Milliken is on there and yeah, sure. Hertz and oh, Faraday. Yeah. Maybe is Faraday on there? I, I actually don't remember right now, but sure, there's a lot of – Names that people immediately recognize, but yeah. Well, it's, I don't presume it's uh, something that a person starts uh, his or her career with, uh, uh, or maybe at some point you might be suspecting that uh, people might start dropping hints or something like that. Yeah, I think, well, you know, I think, first of all, I think, you know, realistically, there's probably not enough prizes to go around, Nobel Prizes to go around to really reflect how science is done, you know, and certainly in my case, it, you know, very honestly could have gone, this award could have gone to many other people that I have worked with or colleagues and competitors and, you know, so it's, it, you know, there's a huge number of people that work on the problems that Serge Roche and I worked on, so... Uh, I'd say we're, you know, we're more representative of the field than, uh, you know, we maybe each accomplish something together, but there's a huge number of people working on these things, and there's many other things that, you know, our work benefited from that other people are doing. So what I would say is having a long-winded way of saying don't, you don't want to go into any field to win awards or prizes. It's just... Certainly in this case, you know, the chances of this happening are pretty low, even if you're a very skilled, deserving person. And so I think, you know, just in general, you'd want, you know, anybody that's interested you don't want, in science, don't go into it because you're thinking of becoming famous or winning awards. You have to like the the process. And, and I think, you know, that's certainly true for Serge Hiroshi and I that, you know, we just like the being able to, to 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 work with these systems and I think, I know Serge has said the same thing that we, I think one thing that attracted both of us to physics is just being able to uh, to combine both mathematics, which is the quantum mechanics we work with and, you know, it, I would say it's, for a mathematician, quantum mechanics is pretty simple. It's not very sophisticated mathematics, but but what attracted us is the idea of being able to apply 
math to explain the kind of things we do in the lab. And I think that's still that's still fun for me. You know, I think and and I think that's a motivation for a lot of people to be able to combine these two things to. You know, one helps the other, and and uh, to to to. But the attraction, one of the big attractions, to to use math to explain what we see and 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 verify that you know these the theories work, and and it helps us go forward. NIST uh, seems to attract Nobel prizes. <laughs> I think people have noticed. And uh, is there something special about the collaboration here at the lab, or the kinds of problems that? that you get to solve here, that you get to work on, the longevity with which you get to be associated with this institute? What's special about NIST and, and the people here? Well, I think one thing that, that, that's been really nice is that um, uh, NIST has in, you know, openly encouraged these collaborations. So, uh, you know, the people I've worked with, I mentioned the, the four of us that started in the late 70s and you know, we're together throughout our careers. We, uh, uh, you know, there wasn't, you know, there wasn't any impetus for each of us to establish our own separate corner of research and isolate ourselves. And so, uh, you know, NIST has always encouraged this collaboration. And it's not to say that, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I'm the only one that's identified with these projects. The, the you know the fellows I've worked with, they've you know you know for the most part had their own projects as we've all gone along, and they've been related. Uh, and and the good part about that is we you know we're able to exchange a lot of useful ideas that have helped us in our work. And so I think there's coming back to this. I think you know they've they've encouraged these collaborations among peers rather than trying to each person become trying to become an individual star and the other thing is just the you know certainly during my time here is the institutional support so um, certainly my boss bosses have my division chief has, have always been have been supportive and actually another you know a kind of a important example is is their boss the so-called lab director uh her name she's been the director for the last 20 years roughly her name's Catherine Gabby and she um she sort of, she certainly encouraged you know people to kind of you know explore basic fundamental things that could later you know benefit the uh, you know that you know the mission related stuff and, and the laser cooling it, it, its applications of clock is a good example but and you know with my having won the Nobel Prize uh, uh, she now has four Nobel Prize winners under her direction so I think that certainly says something about the the management at NIST that we you know we've been treated very well so does winning the Nobel Prize, uh, you know, what what kind of impact does that have? Is there a before Nobel Prize, after Nobel <laughs> Prize? And yeah, well, I'm certainly feeling this transition. I have been, I would say, ever since the announcement, I've been busier than I ever have. And um, oh, you know, before these ceremonies, going to to Stockholm and receiving the award and so on, a lot of that was just planning uh you know i was able to 
take some guests and you know making arrangement helping make arrangements for them and and planning my my talk of course my, my lecture that I gave there I wanted to do a good job on that so I was very occupied with that then when we I was there for about 12 days and both Serge Roche and I, uh, we went after the ceremonies, we went to several Scandinavian universities together to uh, basically give our, essentially the same talks we gave in Stockholm. Uh, but it's just been a, it's been a whirlwind then. And uh, of course I've, you know, like now I've gotten a number of requests for interviews and uh, and what will also happen is that, uh, you know, I, I think both of us, you know, we're obliged in some sense to kind of represent our field, our part of physics. And so, uh, it, you know, the <laughs> I'm going to be traveling a fair amount this last year uh, or this next year. I, I, ironically, I was, before the prize was announced, I was determined to lose my frequent flyer status and stay home more this next year, but I, that may have to wait a, a year or so because I'll be pretty busy traveling and you know trying to give talks to promote the field. I think this is a kind of a routine question, but I would sure like to ask it anyway, and I haven't heard in your case. Uh, and How did you uh, learn about it? Did you get awakened in the early morning hour by phone call? Yes, that's what happens. Of course, in Stockholm, I think it's uh, it uh, the time there was 11:30 in the morning when they announced the award. Uh, that meant it was 3:30 in the morning here, and uh, so actually I was I was I was really sleeping soundly. So my wife heard the heard the phone and went and got the she answered the call and and, and came and got me. <laughs> if it wasn't for that, I would have slept through the through the call. So, uh, but anyway, it uh, obviously a terrific surprise and <laughs> needless to say we didn't go back to sleep after that uh, what was actually interesting was after the 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 the, the Nobel Foundation uh, calls the award winners uh, they before they announce it publicly uh, so immediately after I spoke to them they they had announced it and then then the calls came in and uh, uh, so I, I was sort of naive. I, I fielded some call. The first call was actually a call from Brazil, a reporter from Brazil, and he asked. He was realizing he would not be the only one, so he only asked a few questions. But I could hear the phone clicking during <laughs> during this call with the fellow from Brazil, meaning other calls were coming in, and so it was clear we, you know, just had no way to field all these calls. So we, I let our phone take messages, but then the phone uh, stack, you know, ran out of room with a hundred calls at about 5.30 in the morning. <laughs> so you, you get the picture. It was just uh, so much attention that it was hard to, hard to handle all the, the, uh, <laughs> the attention to get this. Ironically, so I, I decided I, by then the, around 5.30, the reporters were coming to the door of our house and I decided well I didn't want you know bother things at home so I so I came to work and uh, uh, you know the same thing with the, with my phone at work it was just impossible to handle all the calls and 
but later that day, there was, well, at around noon that day, there was a press conference here that NIST put on to kind of <laughs> keep, you know, to inform the rest of the world or let them talk to me in some sense. And, uh, but ironically, I, I still, with all the calls coming in, I, I, I hadn't accepted calls, but by around six o'clock that day, I, you know, I decided, well, maybe I'll just answer some of these calls. So the first call I answered the whole day at work, um, <laughs> the guy got on the phone, or the guy on the phone said, is this David Wineland? I said, yes. And he said, uh, this is Air Force One. And, uh, <laughs> you know, the president would like to speak to you. So anyway, that was, that was pretty, pretty nifty that just happened to answer this one call. So anyway, that was fun. That's fate. Yeah. <laughs> well, good coincidence, anyway. And undoubtedly, you uh, told your story about meeting uh, the king, is it? That's right. Meeting the king. And uh, and uh, good good parties in Stockholm? Oh, boy, very fancy. And uh, so that on the if you go to the Nobel Prize uh, website, which is nobelprize.org, uh, they they have a lot of these functions televised and the, so after the award ceremony there was this uh, main banquet which uh is for a small party of about 1200 people and uh in this in this i think now i should <laughs> i'm not remembering i think it's the city hall but anyway the the uh uh, uh there's this grand party very fancy uh, we're at the main table along with about 120 other people. But actually, one thing I didn't know before the, uh, you know, before going there, and, and is that uh, I guess Nobel favored the physics people. So, so we were the ones that got to sit next to the, you know, the the, the main royalty. And uh, so I wasn't the first night. I wasn't. I was sitting. It's sitting next to to uh, uh, some some other people that weren't the the royalty, but uh, high up in the Swedish government, uh, and these were it was always uh, women on either side of the of the men. Uh, the second night, I got to at the when there was a similar dinner for only 120 people at at the at the royal palace. I was sitting uh, in be, uh, in between the the queen and the crown princess Victoria. Uh, so anyway, that was, you know, was, you know, those, they're used to this, of course, and I think they're used for, for, uh, you know, unsophisticated people like physicists. So, so actually, you know, it was a very, very nice, charming, they're very charming people. And it was a nice, it was fun and, you know, a nice conversation with them. But, you know, they were, they were all the royals were very gracious uh, to us and it was a fun experience. But, one thing I want. One thing I can say is that it's clear that that you know as important as it is for us, that this is also a very big deal for Swedish society. And so, uh, the first night this 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 really big banquet with about twelve hundred people, uh, it's clear there's maybe maybe on the order of a hundred or so people connected with the laureates, their guests, et cetera, et cetera. And, and then the rest is, you know, Swedish society, and and they actually bring in some students too, which is nice. But, um, but it's a it's a very big deal, and 
and uh, it's it's people uh, in in Stockholm in particular. I mean, people it's they get so much publicity that basically everywhere we would go, they would know who we were, you know. And uh, one thing, but nevertheless, one thing that was interesting was uh, I thought was interesting was in the after this big banquet, twelve hundred people there, there were news paper reporters were allowed in there to take pictures. And uh, so one of the, there were two newspapers we saw in the morning and one was the Crown Princess Victoria and on one side of her was the one of the chemistry laureates. On the other side was a, uh, I'm actually not sure whether it was, it wasn't the main royalty, but maybe it was part of the royal family, but uh, another fellow. And in one of the newspapers, there was the three people with the crown princess in the in the middle, the other paper had it turned out you could tell it was exactly the same photograph, but they'd cropped out the the laureate and the the other fellow sitting on her other side. So, I mean, what that says to me is that you know this is a big deal for the you know that exposes the royal family to be in the in the papers and so on. So, anyway, it was a big deal for us, but you know maybe even a bigger bigger deal for the royal family and Swedish society. And your family, what do they think? Oh, I, I mean, they, they, you know, they, I mean, this, this is a unique experience for all of us, you know, it was, a, it was a <laughs> off the charts, something we won't repeat probably, and, and, and it, but it, you know, it was nevertheless, it was done in such a nice way, we were so well taken care of, that was really, a, really a nice experience. Well, uh, going back to the language of your field, uh, you've uh, you've been you're in an excited state now. Is it a or is it going to decay or you know metastable state or is this oh. or is this really life altering? Well, it has been, and I I've been ever since the award was announced. I've just been so busy. I mean, every waking minute and every weekend I've been in mainly to work to try to keep things. You know, going. I, I'm certainly not spending as much time at work uh, on the real work as I'd like to, but that still goes on, and so I, I'm spending time on that. But just uh, right now, I'm in the midst of of making a a written report, which will go in some scientific journals, and uh, uh, you know, describing based on the lecture I gave in Stockholm, but. It, it basically describes at least my story and and tries to give a bit of an overview of the field as well. And there's a fairly tight deadline on that, so I've been, as they say, spending every waking minute and at least from when I can break away from work to to work on this paper, which is due fairly soon. So I, yeah, I it's it's been really tiring, but <laughs> I guess I can't complain too much. There aren't as many young people, it seems, going into what they call science, technology, engineering, mathematics. Uh, do you have a Do you have a message for young people who might be considering science or physics as a career? Uh, you know what what is I think you've talked about it to some extent. You know the the love you have of uh, of doing quantum mechanics and applying that to real world problems that, where you actually see some in, impact and influence. But uh, for uh, for the young people. Uh, yeah, I think, well, one thing I one thing I see, and and that it's actually, I think it's a it's a bit of a problem for experimental physics. I see that 
you know, the, the young people that are going through our group, uh, the students and the postdoctoral researchers, uh, uh, one thing that I think it's apparent over the years is that uh, they're certainly much better at computer computers than I am. And in fact, I have to rely on these guys because they're so much better than I am. But I think one thing that I see, especially for experimental uh, work, is that, that the young people less so, you know, work with their hands. So I'm not saying mine, you know, was a, you know, a model for, or my, you know, my past as a model for, uh, you know, making a, a good scientist. But, you know, certainly when I was in high school, I, 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 you know, I, I kept up my grades, but I didn't take advanced classes. I mean, my, without question, my passion then was cars and motorcycles. But, the, you know, I think that, you know, maybe you could say, well, that didn't directly help me, but I think, um, but it was working with my hands. And I think uh, doing those kind of things is important for what we do, getting practical experience on how things behave. And I think, you know, not that that's gone away, but I think there's more of a a shift away from that. I see with young people, a lot of the young people we have come into our group is that they, they've simply never made mechanical things. And a lot of, our, most of the work we do is, is based on mechanical things. That is the, the, the apparatus we need to guide the laser beams and control the laser beams. A lot of it's mechanical. So I think, uh, you know, I would, I would hope to see that you know, there's more, you know, younger people are more engaged in, in also doing things with their hands as well as doing things with computers. And uh, so, you know, I would like to see that happen more. I don't know exactly how, it, how, how you can make it happen, but I think that's important. Would you like to say anything that we haven't talked about? Oh, golly, uh, probably lots of things. I, I think I mentioned that, you know, there's this... You know, the award tends to focus on a couple of individuals, but it doesn't, you know, fairly represent how science is done, that it's a, many people working on common problems that make things go forward. And so in some sense, it's, you know, a bit embarrassing that, you know, it focuses on just a couple of people. But um, no, I, I don't know. There's probably other things I would think to say <laughs> after you, after you. Uh, I'll leave here. You know, it's certainly, uh, you know, it's been a wonderful experience. <laughs> Things the dust hasn't settled yet, but uh, but I, you know, I'm certainly very flattered to have this happen. And um, uh, anyway, I I must say, with all the attention, I I do look forward to <laughs> when the dust settles and I can get back to a little calmer environment in, in which to you know to try to do do what I do what I like to do. So uh, anyway, that'll probably take a while. But as I say, I shouldn't complain too much. <laughs> that was Dr. David Weinland, who shared the 106th Nobel Prize in Physics in 2012. In part one of this interview, which aired in February, Dave spoke about the science. You can find part one by going to howonearthradio.org and searching for David Wineland. 
There you can find other past episodes, extended interviews, and you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Questions or comments? Call the KGNU comment line at 303-447-9911. Our theme music was written and produced by Josh Cutler. Our executive producer this quarter is Joel Parker. For KGNU's How on Earth, I'm Jim Pullen.